Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing Rebecca Biggie. Rebecca is the founder of Confidently She and the creator of The Body Image Solution. She has been teaching women how to have a healthy relationship with imperfect bodies since 2017. Through her podcast programs and private coaching, she has changed the lives of thousands of women, including Miss United States 2020, by reframing how we think about our bodies, self-confidence, and the true value of women. Ooh, I just got chills reading that bio. Welcome to the show today, Rebecca. I cannot wait to have you here. Thanks, Sandra. Glad to be here. Excited to chat. Yeah, so we were just catching up before we actually hit record, and Rebecca's got so many amazing nuggets for us today. But I would love to just dive into, uh, firstly... I mean, you've got such a unique bio on Instagram and for the listeners, we'll link it down in the description there. But uh, what is your approach to body image and, and with women? Because it's such an interesting topic and it's such a such a important topic, especially right now where we can see marketing and everything going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to start the conversation by admitting and accepting the fact that we do live in imperfect bodies and that's okay. Like I think what you're talking about on my Instagram is like showing practical ways to love imperfect bodies. And that's a really important distinction and starting point because if you start from the idea that you see a lot, which is you're perfect just the way you are, that doesn't give you a lot of room to 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 grow and and reflect on some of the feelings and thoughts that you're having. And I think that it's like, at best, it's just kind of like sugarcoating a, a really deep issue. And at worst, it's like gaslighting yourself into telling yourself that like, you shouldn't have to, to change any part of you in order to be loved and to be beautiful, which is true. But I think we have an issue with perfection in our culture, that we think that we have to be perfect in order to be lovable. And that's just not what it is. So I think that's like a big a big thing that I focus on, just being like real with people about the fact that we aren't perfect. And that doesn't disqualify us from loving ourselves and having a life we enjoy. Yeah. I love what you said about not, not feeling the need to be perfect because I think, you know, in this day and age, especially with things like social media, where there's so many filters and editing and people are planning posts out, you know, months in advance and things like that, that the average person who is not a content creator or not an influencer or online personality is seeing these people with these perfect images 
and comparing themselves being like, how come I have stretch marks after my baby? How come I have, you know, this and that after, um, you know, after I hit age 30 or whatever. And this Mm -hmm. comparison trap of wanting to be perfect or looking back at what we looked like when we were 19 and 20 is just totally an absurd obsession. Yeah. Well, and the fact is, it's the reason why you're, you know, you said, why, why do I have stretch marks and why do I have this? It's like, they have it too. They just Mm -hmm. edited it out. Like everybody has that. Or it's like, they just chose the angle that you couldn't see it in. And that's what it is. Like, it's, it's not true that somebody's out there with this perfect body and we all just (laughs) have to like work our way up there to get it. It's like, no, nobody has that. And, and that's one of the reasons that I speak on this because there's some people who are like, well, how can you, uh, you know, a, a thin white woman speak about a beauty standard? Like you are the beauty standard. Like why, right. why, why are you taking up space in this space? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to tell you guys that, that this is not the mountaintop. Like even when you have all the things that people tell you you need, it's not going to fulfill that that deep desire. And I'm sure you get this a lot, Sandra, with your clients. Like just because you have money doesn't mean you have a good relationship with money. You could be like a millionaire and be broke, but, but you've got money, but, but you don't have a good relationship with it. And that's what I'm trying to, trying to show with my content and with my voice that it's like, even if you have all the things, all the raw materials, like you still need to learn how to have a loving relationship with your body and and I know how to do that, no matter what your body actually looks like. Oh, I love that. And it's kind of this like, um, you know, once we achieve this level of something, we always yes. want more and we always, we're always striving for, you know, oh yeah, we hit that milestone, whatever it is. It could be like losing yep. the 10 pounds. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, but now I'm getting wrinkles on my eyes, you know, like crow's yes. feet, or I'm getting yep. cellulite on my legs, or I'm getting this and I'm getting that. Same thing goes with finances, right? If people go, okay, I will be happy when, and this is actually something that I physically told myself like seven years ago. I said, I am going to feel financially secure once I pay off my credit card. And I think at the time I had like 11 grand in credit card debt. I was like fresh out of uni and whatever. And I was like, I will be financially free when I get rid of this credit card debt and pay off my student loans. And then as soon as I hit that, I was like kind of satisfied, but like not really. And then I was like, I will be happy when I have 20 grand in the bank. And then I hit that and I was like, I will be happy when I have 50 grand in the bank. And so there's always this obsession with hitting the next level. And even when it comes to body image, right? Like I remember saying to myself, I mean, I have breast implants and it's, you know, pretty obvious by my, my social media and whatever. But like, I remember thinking if I have big boobs, my body will be perfect. And then, then I looked in the mirror and I was like, wait, why do I have these like weird folds on my, you know, muffin top and stuff. And even saying that to me is embarrassing because this is, these are actual thoughts that went through my head. Everyone has those thoughts. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so like, they're called warpy thoughts. I read this book or what was it? Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy thing called warpy Mm -hmm. thoughts where you like tell yourself dumb stories about things basically. And it's with body image. It's probably one of the, one of the worst. It is because, because you can't, I say like, you can't shut it off. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're thinking about your financial goals, you can choose to not log into your Wells Fargo app. You can choose to not, you know, look at it constantly, whatever. You can't choose to be like, you know what? I'm going to remove myself from my body today and I'm just going to let this one sit. It's like, no, you live in your body. You have to make choices about what you're going to feed your body. You have to make choices about what you're going to wear on your body all the time. So it's like you can't get away from it. And you're so right that every time you hit a milestone, humans are amazing. Our brains are amazing. We always want to do better. We always want to do more. But there's a downside to that, which is nothing's ever good enough. And we're never satisfied. And we have to learn that there is no mountaintop that you reach, especially with your body, because exactly you're exactly right. Like if it's not the breast implants, then it's the nose job, or then it's the BBL, or it's the you know LASIK or like hair removal, laser surgery Teeth stuff, like whitening, it, Invisalign. Endless. There's always something. Yes. <laughs> you could spend, and people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building up your body to be something. And because of the way the beauty standards are set up, you you are destined to never reach the top because some of these standards conflict with each other. Mm -hmm. It's not like over time, and you can see this if you look back in some of the marketing and advertisement from over the decades, the female like beauty standard of like what a great body looks like, what great hair looks like changes and it's cyclical just like fashion is. Mm -hmm. So in the eighties, it was like, you know, you had to have big boobs, but in the nineties, it was like nineties to um, people had like flatter chests and it wasn't so much about that. It was about like having abs and like the early two thousands, you had to like have abs, but then it was like, you got to have a big butt and then you have to, kind of have Mm -hmm. like bigger lips and that became a thing. And it's like, we're morphing into this racially ambiguous woman that you have to be. (laughs) And it's like, if one person lived through, and there are people who have lived through all these decades, it's like just the roll of the dice. If you were 20 or 30 in that decade and you had that body type, then you were hot. But if you were born 10 years later, maybe you would have felt you weren't weren't beautiful just because you you maybe missed the the beauty standard for that decade. And so what that tells me as someone with like an analytical brain, what that tells me is there is no beauty standard. We're not moving towards a certain point. We're going in a circle. So that means there actually is no standard for beauty. And you can see this with like skin tone as well. It used to be really cool to go to tanning beds and like, I become, remember that. <laughs> yeah, I did that when I was a teenager was, ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, Oh, you gotta be so tan. And then, it, and then we stopped doing that. And we were like, no guys, you just like, don't have any wrinkles. That's what it is that you need to do. And I think it's really interesting that like, right after they told us to be super tan for 10 years, they told us you can't have any wrinkles for 10 years. And so it's just like, I, this is all about business and capitalism. Like I was an economics major. I see what's happening here. It, it switches when businesses can make yep. money. So there's always yep. going to be something that, that you don't have that a company is going to sell you to, to, to be something else. But what I think is really, really beautiful is when you can find and create beauty with your natural body, because that 
that means it's beauty that it's unique to you. And like no one can really copy that when you figure out your unique, iconic features. And that's what I kind of yeah. work with women on is to, to invest in that. Yeah. And I, and I love what you said about that because depending on genetics, depending on diet, depending on where we're at in our life stages, everybody's body is going to change over time. Right. And, and there's going to be times where we're the skinny girl or where we put mm -hmm. on a few extra pounds or where we, you know, but at the end of the day, it's the essence of beauty is really about embodying it and owning it because yep. anybody can be beautiful. Anybody can be sexy and attractive, but what it ultimately comes down to is the confidence that they have in themselves. And, yes. you know, if they're, uh, if they're, I don't even want to use this word, but like a, a bigger woman and they're just right. owning it and they know what to wear for their body type and they just yes. are loud and proud. I think, you know, wearing, dre dressing for your body type and not having, what's the term where you buy a size that you used to be because you psychologically don't want to admit that you're one size up. It's called, oh, like is there size. a term for that? Yeah, there's a term for it. Um, it's called, mm. um, anyway, I'll, I'll have to think of it after, but basically it's like, okay, in my twenties, I was a size small. So therefore in order to maintain that look, I have to be a size small for the rest of my life. But you know what? You know what I find about that? So, so the language we use is so important when it comes to things with body image because it has to do with how we identify. We identify as a size. Like you just said, mm -hmm. I am a size small. No, your body wears a size small. And your body might wear a different size as you, well, as you go between brands and styles, but also over time, like you're saying, your body is going to change. And so your body wears a different size, but like you are not that size. You are not mm -hmm. 130 pounds. You are not that. It's your body. So kind of trying to separate who you are from what your body is and what your body needs is a really big step that I work with clients on to, to stop things like that from happening. Because when you're not wearing the size that your body needs, no matter what way you're doing it, something's going to look off. It's not designed for that. Exactly. And not only that, because, and, and I just, the reason I brought this up is because I literally just went up two sizes. And at first I had this internal self-talk of being like, oh my God, I can't believe I just went up two jean sizes. And you know, part of it was because I'm cycling more and that builds muscle in your legs and like, yep. you know, all these things. And like, I love my body the way it is. But there was this moment where I was like, holy crap, I don't fit my clothes anymore. I need to go a size up. That means I'm failing when my mm. partner was like, wait a minute, you're more voluptuous. I love this new, you know, size and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, so why is the number on the jeans dictating how I feel about myself when really it's this feeling of like, oh, I'm actually proud of this new look and feel that I have. But because it's like this psychological barrier that we have of, oh, because I went up two sizes or because I went from a small to a medium, I am bad or my body's, yeah. my body's, you know, changing. There's no one to say it's bad or, or good. But the thing is, is that I noticed that people associate the size of their clothes with the feeling about their body. And so mm -hmm. when they go from a small to a medium or a medium to a large, 
what they tell themselves is like they're changing for the worse as opposed to dressing for something that looks better on them. They feel more comfortable because they can actually sit down and it's not cutting off their circulation. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're sitting down in jeans that's cutting off your circulation because you're trying to squeeze into that 25 or 26, you're not thinking about how good you feel in that moment because you're thinking about how uncomfortable you feel in those jeans. Yes. Right? So then yes. your internal self-talk is like, oh, I'm not a 25 anymore, but I really want to squeeze into these and, right. you know, that whole size stuff. I don't know. I feel like that's a big thing that, that comes up for a lot of people. It is. It is because diet culture has taught women that big is bad and small is good. Like it's just binary and and, and not even – it's like small at any cost is good. Like if you, we notice that someone has lost weight, we'll like compliment them on that automatically. But it's like – we don't know the methods that someone's using to go down a size um, or to go up a size. And like you're saying, like you are going up a size because you've been cycling more, your muscles are getting bigger. Like that makes sense, right? Like, like that's not like you're being unhealthy totally. and now, you know, you got to go up a size. It's like, no, your body is changing because you are requiring different things of your body and then your body is going to respond. Yes, and that's what, like, that. bodies are so amazing. They will respond to what is demanded of them. And, and our job to love our bodies well is to respect where our body is at. Because if I'm trying to fit my body into a size two and she needs a size four, that's not respectful. Like, would you do that to your feet? Would you squeeze your feet into a size five and a half if you've, your feet, your shoe size is actually like a seven? No. That's such a good analogy. Like, why so would true. you ever do that? So why would you do that with yes. your waist or your chest or anything else? It's like you're, you would physically crush yes. your bones in your feet. So why would you physically crush your organs in your stomach to fit into a smaller exactly. size jean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think what you said about respecting our bodies for where we're at, you know, I find this particularly, I work with a lot of couples that are in the sort of 30 to 45 age bracket. And a lot of my women that I coach are either just had kids, you know, have young toddlers at home. And so a lot of what they are going through as well is getting adjusted to their new bodies. Yeah. And as you said, our bodies are amazing. amazing how they will do what we need it to do and they will adapt to whatever changes in our in our fitness, in our diet, in our environment and and particularly with growing another human. And I think women who have had children particularly are so hard on themselves after they've had children that they didn't get their pre-baby body back or they've got some extra loose skin or a little bit more cellulite than they had before or their hair might have changed. And it's like, but you created a new life with Mm -hmm. that body. Mm -hmm. Right? And and yet we focus on these, you know. Yeah, we, Other that's what touches on how we really value how we really measure the value and worth of a woman because in our culture we measure the value and worth of women and how attractive they are to other people and that's a problem and that's the only reason 
we as women think that we need to get our pre-baby body back because we want to be that version of attractive. We want to be able to go out and, and have people see our body the way that it used to be or the way that we want it to be to be seen as attractive. And that's not a bad thing to want to feel attractive, but it can't be the thing. Like, and, and it's difficult sometimes for me to speak about this with like a hundred percent empathy because I haven't had a child. So I don't know what is going to happen to my body. If I, if I have a child, you know, some, some women, they have a child and their bodies do kind of just go back to the way it was before. And some women, their body is completely different. And, and while it may feel like I don't, I don't understand, I'm, I'm not familiar with this body. Like, what is this body that I live in now? I think the questions we ask ourselves in that time are really important. Like, how can I still show up for my body in the way that she needs today? And in what ways has my body shown up for me that I needed? Maybe I, maybe I want certain things from my body, but like, is my body giving me what I need? And the answer there is yes. Like, like our bodies do show up for us in these ways and, and having the respect for what our body was able to do when, like when women's, when, when we create a baby inside of us and like give birth, like that's, it's, it's insane. It's crazy that our bodies will adjust to do that. And it's almost like if, if people were to say, you know, I want to go back to who I was before, before a hardship in their life, let's say. It's like, I think there are two ways to think about it. You can think about it as like, yeah, back then you, were, you weren't hurt, you weren't as naive, but you also weren't as strong. Like, I would not take back any of the pain and hardship and like even some of the trauma that has happened to me because who I am now is able to, to handle so much more because of that. And so if we can see our bodies that way too, that it's like, this is the body that did all those things and like made it through all those things. And yeah, I've got some scars and I've got some, uh, you know, I've used my body and it shows. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a more accurate way to value a body than just like, does it look like it's never been used before? Does it look like you've, you've never touched it? It's like bodies are meant to, to live your life with not to be like put in a glass case that nobody touches so that it's like perfect. <laughs> like what, what's the point of that? Yeah. Like, so you don't have wrinkles when you die. Like what? <laughs> I just like, I don't yeah. get it. I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, the culture of aging, right? right? I mean, people are so afraid of oh. aging, but aging is a beautiful thing with age. We we gain experience. We gain knowledge. As you said, like we are a different person now than we were 10 years ago. So why would we expect our bodies to be the same as they were 10 years ago? And, you know, similarly in relationships, when, when people are in a relationship and they do have children and then they no longer feel sexy and they don't want to be intimate with their partners because they don't feel sexy anymore because they might be a few, few pounds heavier or whatever. At the end of the day, their part, your partner wants to make love to you, not your body. They want to make, they want to have the intimate connection with you. 
they're not looking at the cellulite that you think you've got or the lines on your stomach or, you know, they're, they're connected soul to soul as opposed to body part to body part. Right. And, and I think that that is what we need to focus on as, as women is seeing ourselves as like, I am separate from my body. Like, yes, I live in my body, but like there's, there's an element of intimacy that is not just physical. Like, and everyone, you know, like everyone knows this, but that it's like you, you can be physical, physically intimate with someone without being fully intimate with them. And so if you focus more on that, like full intimacy and you're not thinking about your body, you're not thinking about like what, what you look like, you're able to be more present and that's that confidence that we talked about before that it's like when you're not in your body and you're actually able to connect with your partner like that is when you're truly intimate and it doesn't matter what you look like while it's happening it's more about i'm fully present right now with you and 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 that's that's never going to change even as your body changes yeah yeah intimacy this is a this is a topic that's come up recently a lot um in different conversations and podcasts and things. And, you know, it was funny. I never watch reality TV, but the other day a girlfriend of mine came over and we just sat and turned on Love is Blind. And I've like never watched that show before. And she explained the concept of it. And I was like, that's actually really cool because it's removing the physical attraction from the equation of of intimacy. And the, the concept behind it, I think is really interesting because as a society, we, we say, oh, what's your type? And nobody says, um, oh, my type is intimately connected with themselves, does meditation right. and is deep spiritually, kind. you know, like <laughs> yeah. nobody talks, kind, kind hearted, has a good relationship with his yeah. mother. You know, like <laughs> what we say is like, oh, uh, my type is enter race right. or enter yes. height or enter career yep. or occupation, Right. And, and it's just so, um, when, you know, one of the, I was looking at your Instagram before we were getting on the call just to get some ideas and stuff. And one of the things that you put is, oh, you want to make a move? Let's hold hands. And I love that so much. I literally burst out laughing (laughs) because every time I've started dating somebody, I'm like not a hand holder. And every time I've started dating somebody and they've gone to hold my hand, I literally whip my hand away and I'm like, ah. Because to me, it's almost more so intimate, intimate than having sex. I know. So intimate. And some people will be like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize that was weird. Like I do that on the first date or second date or third date. And I was like, oh my God, for me, that is like a two years into the relationship. You know, like we can finally hold hands in public type of thing. And it's just so interesting how different people show intimacy. Mm-hmm. And what intimacy looks like to one person could be totally different to somebody else. And intimacy is not just the physical sexual uh, relationship that we see on TV or in pornography or in, you know, any mm-hmm. other thing. It's, it's, it's what's connecting you to another person. Yeah. And I think too, sometimes when we realize that the physical intimacy element of our relationship has changed or, or maybe it's like not there for a while, it exposes any lack of intimacy that we had emotionally. And so that's probably more 
what needs to be worked on in the relationship than like, oh, our sex life isn't the same. It's like, I don't feel as connected to you. But it's like, well, if you don't feel connected to someone just because you're not having sex, that means there needs to be like some deeper levels of connection um, that happen. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's actually a good segue into part of the reason why I started this um, sex and money course that's coming up. And what I realized with working with all of my private clients is that there is a direct correlation between people that are having money stress and financial issues in their relationship with their intimacy. And one of the questions I ask them is in, in their vision exercise, which is like their third session, is what does romance and love look like to you in your ideal world? And I get them to do this as a homework exercise. And romance and love comes up so differently in every single person's vision exercise. And not any one of them has said anything about sex. It's all about, you know, connecting with their partner, having a monthly date night, going on a holiday, just the two of them without the kids. Like romance and love is so much more than just the physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. And even though the course title is Sex and Money, that's the hook because what sex and money or how they're actually related is the emotional side of things. Are you connecting on a deeper level and having the hard conversations around the two most taboo subjects that people feel the most shame in talking yep. about? No, oh, that makes sense. And and so when it comes to sex and intimacy, what are some of the things that you find your clients struggle with the most when they come to you in, in that regard? Well, it's it's one of two things. And you touched on it a little bit about the shame piece of it. And it's that they don't want to be seen. It's either that they don't want to be seen physically or they use their physical attractiveness to not be seen emotionally. So either way, there's like a disconnect and, and the body is, is what's kind of the, the gateway to the full connection. So it's either I'm connected emotionally, but I am terrified of my partner seeing this part of my body. So I want to hide it or I want to change it. And so, so that's one way to, to disconnect from the intimacy. But the other way is more of a distraction. Like I can't connect during sex because I'm so focused on looking perfect and, and making sure my body is doing the things and performative sex is what I call it. That, that they're like, I can't connect during sex. I can't be intimate with people because I'm so focused on that. And so, so those are the ways that it shows up for me and my clients. And I'm sure with you, it's like the, the, the money part of it is also hard to talk about because there's, there's expectations around money. There's shame around money and debt and, and what you should have versus what you shouldn't have and what this person mm-hmm. has experienced before and what they're, you know, what they have going on. It's a very similar space as far as shame, expectation and performance too, I, I would think. Yeah. And self-worth. I mean, a lot of people associate their, for example, their levels of debt with their self-worth. Mm. So if they're feeling emotion, if they're feeling emotionally stressed because of the, their debt commitments, they're just barely scraping by every month because they're trying to pay off interest on credit cards and student loans and mortgages and all this, you know, stuff, then they themselves feel like, and, and one of the words you said there was, I should, I should be further along. I should be skinnier. I should be this. I should be that. I feel like the word should is one of the most toxic words in 
in any language because what is should? What is I should be further along? I should be out of debt. I should have a better body. It's it's this unrealistic reality of where we think we need to be in order to be worthy, in order to be successful, in order to be sexy. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it's like once we hit this mark, we're always striving for the next mark. Mm -hmm. But if we learn to appreciate where we're at, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our bodies, whether it's in our relationships, Mm -hmm. and not constantly be pushing for that next level, that's when we find a deeper gratitude and a deeper happiness with ourselves and that self-worth. It's like, okay, I'm making my credit card payments and I'm actually paying it down as opposed to just paying interest. Great. Celebrate that. Right. You're losing weight, but you're not losing it as fast as you want. Great. Celebrate that. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it, whatever it is. Uh, because as you said, it, it's, it's so closely connected about how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And everything is about context too. Like we, if we are sitting there saying I should be this or I should have that, it's like, well, should you? Because a lot of the times, especially with your body, your body responds to what the context is that you're creating for it. And I bet your finances work a similar way. And so it's like, if you are really objective about what's going on, and if you take the judgment out of it, like don't talk about good behaviors or bad behaviors or whatever. It's like, what has been happening in your life in the last three to six months? Okay. And if you just kind of look at what your behaviors are and what's been going on, chances are it makes sense that you are where you are or that your body is what it is and, or that your finances are what they are. But if you can take some really practical, simple steps, and like you were saying, celebrate the steps that you are taking, even if it's not where you want to be in in a year, you know, like I I think that oftentimes we just like run away from what the, the fact of the matter is. And if we don't admit what's going on, it makes it a little less real in our mind. So it doesn't stress us out as much. And, And I get that, but there is something really powerful about looking at what your body is. And this is an exercise that I have my clients do. It's like, I want you to look at your body, like what it is and not through a lens of, I don't like this part or I like this part or whatever, but just look at it and know what it is and then make some small adjustments, like do something twice a week and just like build a little bit of momentum and in the right direction, whatever that direction is for you. Sometimes people want to gain weight. Sometimes people want to just like be stronger or have more flexibility or just drink more water, different goals. But small steps consistently are so much more effective than like, I'm going to go to the gym every single day. And then you never go like, like that's, that's Mm -hmm. the tale as old as time when it comes to the relationship with your body. But small steps are what's actually going to get you there. And I think that always starts with just being really honest about like, this is where my starting point is. And I don't have to love it, but I have to accept it and be like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to go. So let's actually like map that out and figure out how to, how to get there. Yeah. I love what you said about small steps because it's the daily actions, not the end goal mm-hmm. that are going to get people results. And especially over summer, cause we're at the time of recording this, it's August. And you know, a lot of people are in let loose mode, 
right? With their finances, with their diet, with their drinking habits, with their party, because we've been locked up for two and a half years, right? So everybody's kind of going a bit buck wild this summer. I feel like everyone, I, everywhere I look, it's like hot girl summer, hot guy summer, you know, and regardless of age and, and bank account and everything. And that's totally fine. And then, you know, when we say, oh, but yeah, but I'm putting on weight or I'm doing this. It's like, hey, give yourself some grace. Yep. You know, you're overspending. Give yourself some grace. There's there's a time to be buckled down and, you know, super focused and whatever. And then there's a times that you just want to let yourself enjoy and just celebrate the small wins. If you said in the fall, I want to go to the gym five days a week, but in summer, realistically, you're only getting there twice a week. Twice is better than zero. Right. Celebrate that. And as long as you can just commit to doing something, mm-hmm. whether it's paying off an extra hundred bucks on your credit card bill this month, because you've just committed to that, you know, committing to doing something rather than nothing and being okay with the actions, not being perfect yeah. every single time. This, this idealism of perfection. It's like, Oh, we wanted to lose 15 pounds by the end of summer. Who cares if you only lost six? It's, it, it's, you're on the right track. Right. Right. And I think the the habits we form are more important than the goals that we're, that we're setting. So like yes. when people come to yes. me with a goal of like, I want to lose 15 pounds, I'm like, okay, maybe you think that and, and maybe you will, but like what we should probably be doing is figuring out like, why is it that you think you need to lose 15 pounds? And if you do, what sustainable habits can we create so that that happens but that you can sustain that going forward because, and I'm sure this is exactly like with finances, right? Like, oh, I want to pay off all my credit card debt. Okay, great. Let's figure out how you got into that credit card debt so that it doesn't happen six months after you pay it off, you know? So it's like, what healthy habits that are sustainable can we start infusing into our relationship with our body or with our money because people I've known people that it's like they lose the weight but then they gain it back but then they lose the weight and it's like it's because the relationship with your body is off you're you're not looking at it in the I'm going to live for 70 years perspective so what can I do every day you know for 70 years you're like I want to lose 10 pounds in three months so what can I do in three months it's like no these bodies are going to be with us forever, forever until we die. So it's like, it's more about the simple things that most people would roll their eyes at. If I am like, okay, no, we're going to talk about drinking water. That's going to be your first thing. We're going to talk about sleeping. That's, that's what we're talking about. Not that I'm a health coach. Like it's more of the mindset and like these, of course, yeah, habits, habit forming, as you said, yeah, these habits are what is going to inform your mindset on things as well. So it's, it's just really important to, to build those habits and have goals that are like, I don't, I call them vanity goals, like losing 15 pounds is a vanity goal. But if your goal is to get stronger, that's like a body goal. Like you can, that you can measure that in different ways or, or more flexible or have better stamina. Like that's something that you can always better be striving sleep. for. Yeah, better sleep is a big yeah. one I think, as well. Or have more energy. Yeah. And I really like what you said about, you know, habit forming because it, it's synonymous with body image or finances or whatever. As you said, you can pay off the credit card, but if you're not understanding what got you into that position in the first place, whether it's a bad relationship with food, you're emotionally eating, um, you know, we can often blame, oh, I, I hate that I have credit card debt. I hate that I, I hate my body yeah, right yeah. now. It's like, no, 
you hate the actions that got you into that position mm. mm-hmm. because you didn't, you weren't born with credit card debt. Yep. You weren't born, you know, overweight. It's, it's the responsibility of ourselves. It's the mindset shift of what did we need? What did our ego need? Or what did our bodies tell us we needed in that moment that got us into that position in the first place? Were we shopping because we wanted, you know, we went through a breakup and we wanted to do retail therapy to make ourselves feel good and get that dopamine hit. Yeah. Same thing with eating too much chocolate or drinking too much wine or skipping the gym. Like what was happening in our brain in that moment when we decided to cancel our gym class in the, you know, the morning of, or to not go to our personal trainer that day mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, what, what was the trigger behind that action. Yeah. And a lot of times it is perfectionism. Like I work with a lot of women who it's like on the outside, they seem healthy. They've got it. You know, they're going to the gym, they're doing everything they should be doing, but they're like dying inside because they're like, they're using their body as like the thing that they can control. And like, that's what makes me worthy and perfect and good. And so it's like challenging some of those beliefs that it's like, no one was born with a body image issue. Like, especially if you look at kids, it's like kids don't run around being like, oh, I'm fat or, oh, my legs are too long until someone tells them that. So, so it's like, what did you hear that, that you think something about you is wrong or something about you needs to change or something about you is right? Because the opposite end of this is the things you get praised for are also then the things that you want to keep forever. So body image is like, it's tough for everybody is like the message with that, that it's like, even if you may have like never had a chubby phase or never had a whatever, like there's always something that you could be clinging to or holding on to that by design, your bodies are going to lose that. Like you're going to get older. That's just part of it. Like you're, you're, you're going to lose some of these things that you maybe feel make you valuable. And so rather than like resisting that, it's how do we, how do we change this relationship with, with our bodies so that we're not looking to that as what makes us good? Because I think too, like people with money, it's probably a similar, similar situation that it's like, even if you have, you know, maybe you don't have credit card debt or you don't have any of these things, you, you can't use that as like your measure of that you are a good person because that can also change. Like your financial situation can change very quickly, just like your body can change very quickly. And so it's all about having that good balance and healthy relationship with whatever it is that you're kind of holding in intention. And I think that it's, it's really just like you said, or like we were talking about, about like the habits, like the habits will always save you. So, and it's never too late to start. Like you can always start a new habit like now. And I'm sure you tell your clients that a lot too, that it's like, it's never too late with your finances. Totally. Like the best time is I know. today. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I wish, you know, in hindsight, oh, I wish I started investing when I was younger. I wish I did this. It's like, okay, forget that. Waste of energy. Yeah. <laughs> forget, forget what happened in the last, last 10, 15, 20 years. And let's focus on what you can actually do now yeah. moving forward. What, what are the steps that you need to do now? Do you need to track your finances? Do you need to track you know, your gym workouts, do you need to, whatever it is. And one of the things that you did say that really stuck out for me there was, uh, the need for control, Mm. right. And these perfectionisms of, of wanting to control something in our life. 
And I remember when I was going through my gym obsession phase a couple of years ago, where I went to the gym every single day because I felt like my relationship at the time was falling apart. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a lot of control over my job either. I was like a very entry level position. And I felt like the only thing that I could control was my body Mm. and how I looked. And I was getting positive reinforcement from other people online and from, you know, in person and whatever about how good my body was. And so for me, I felt like that was the only area that I was winning in my life. So I went obsessive with trying to perfect it, getting super lean, getting super strong, getting this, getting that. But it was, it was a deferral of responsibility from other feelings of vulnerability in my life. Mm -hmm. And And, you know, really looking at why are we so obsessed with a perfect body image? Is it because we don't like talking about our real feelings with our partner? Or is it because we don't feel valued in our relationship? Is it because we don't feel worthy in our job because we are constantly getting put down or screamed at by our boss? Like, you know, often one obsession is the result of a lack of self-worth in some area of our life. Yep. Absolutely. It's never Whether about it's body your body image or something totally unrelated. Yeah. 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 It's never about your actual body. If you really dig into it, um, because like, like your body is just your vehicle for your life. And I think the way your vehicle, the way you feel about your vehicle, the way you take care of your vehicle says a lot about the driver, <laughs> you know, like, absolutely. Like you can be yeah. driving a Bentley, and, and not take care of it, not take it through the car wash, not, uh, you know, maintain it the way that you should, (laughs) or you could be driving a little Honda Civic and like, you love that thing and you take such good care of it. It's like, who's the happier driver, the person in the Civic. So, so it's just like how it's all about the relationship because there are certain things that are just beyond your control when it comes to your body. And when it comes to your finances for a certain, to a certain extent, like some people were born into money. Some people were born into poverty. Mm -hmm. Like you, you start where you start and there are certain things about your body that it's just like, you're not going to change that unless you actually go through like extreme measures. And that's what most perfectionists end up focusing on. It's it's like, well, that's the thing I can't change. So like, like that's the thing that I'm going to grip and, and hold on to, um, but I think it's it's powerful to just ask yourself, like, what what is it that you're really missing? Like, what what do you mm-hmm. actually feel that you lack right now? Because, like you said, it's it's the the control in one area usually is pointing to a deficit in in others. And so when you can yes. bring that up, you realize, like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to say no to eating bread for the rest of my life just because I want my body to look a certain way. Like I want to enjoy my life. I want to eat bread and drink wine and like have that enjoyment with boundaries. And like, I'm not going to disrespect myself by, you know, overeating or over drinking or, or over exercising is a form of disrespect as well. Like you're not respecting rest is a very important part of taking care of your body. So it's, it's all a holistic approach. Um, with all of these areas. That yeah. It's, co- it's in. ultimately it's coping mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. Coping mechanisms is often how we end up in these places. Like how are we coping with a breakup? We're going shopping and spending money we don't have. How are we coping with, uh, you know, stress at work? We're obsessing over our bodies and throwing ourselves like crazy at the gym mm-hmm. or 
eating our feelings is a coping mechanism of feeling sad or depressed or lonely. Yeah. You know, there's so many coping mechanisms that we don't realize are the actual reasons why we're doing some of the things that have put us into this uncomfortable position. Yeah. So I I have one more question for you. And because you work with women and coaching them on how to improve their body confidence and, and really love themselves for who they are, mm-hmm. what are some ways that women can sort of put some things into practice right now if they're listening and, and want to get, you know, a, a few runs on the board? Yeah. Yeah. So the the best way to get started is, and I post about this on my Instagram, so you can check that out if you want like the full details, but I like to look at the relationship with your body through the lens of the five love languages. So if you're, if you're not familiar with the five love languages, it's a really, really popular concept that couples use, but I think it's really powerful to use this with the relationship with your body because first it reinforces that you are not your body. You are, you are a a spirit living inside of this earth vehicle. And, and that means that you can have a loving relationship with your body or a toxic relationship with your body. And we've all seen toxic relationships in romantic scenarios, but ask yourself like, do I have a toxic relationship with my body? And the answer for most women is yes because of the culture we came up in. So it's not your fault, but you can do something about it. And so I would, I would look through some of those posts and see like, what is my love language? And then how is that related to how I'm treating my body? So for example, my favorite one is to talk about words of encouragement, words of affirmation, because if we're being honest, a lot of us are doing the opposite of that with our body. And, and that shouldn't be seen as like a point of shame. Like, Oh, you're, you're having this negative self-talk. It's like, Oh, this is an opportunity to do something different. This is maybe an explanation as to why it feels so hard to love my body. It's like, well, it's because you're not doing these, these steps, these love languages. So taking, taking, um, kind of an audit of how you typically speak about your body, how you think about your body and ways to change that in a way that's not lying, right? Like the, the, the way to change it isn't to be like, my body is perfect, right? I love my body. No, don't do that. <laughs> like start with something like my body shows up for me every day. I appreciate that my body has the ability to hear or to smell or to see or to taste or I really appreciate that my body was able to give birth to a child or something like that. Start with things that are objectively true. And then eventually you'll work your way into being able to be like, oh, I look really sexy today and like really mean it. And, and do that with all the, all the five love languages. It's such a great way to start because it puts it in a different context that you're used to playing in somewhere else, but it brings it with that relationship you have with your body. Yeah, I love that. And I love the correlation between the love languages because that's one of my favorite books and I encourage all my clients who haven't read it to read it. Um, It is so foundational about how to understand love in general, not just with yourself, but with others. Mm -hmm. And 
And, you know, even as you were talking, I was like, yeah, those are totally relevant to your body. Like acts of service yeah. could be um, going and getting a facial or getting a pedicure going to the or something dentist. like that. Or going to the dentist. Like, like that's yeah. an act yes. of service yes. for me. Yes. I, I'm like, oh man, I got to take myself to the dentist, you know? <laughs> but it's like, you yeah. do, you know, <laughs> you do have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And even gifts could be something like, uh, you know, getting a smoothie that has a vitamin boost shot in it, Yeah, you know? So there's so many ways that you can treat your body like another living being, yes. yeah. you know, as if it, as if it was another person, right. uh, and, and treat it, you know, like a garden or something that you're nurturing mm-hmm. as opposed to like a trash can where you're just putting garbage into it and treating it, you know, talking to it like garbage and, and <laughs> treating it like garbage. Right. So. And then being confused. Oh, when I we're love like, that. Why don't I love myself? It's like, <laughs> there's an answer to this. Yeah. Um, and then that means that there's like a different way to do it. Like, I think a big part of changing anything is realizing like, oh, it actually makes sense why I feel this way. Like it, it, it makes sense that I don't have a great relationship with my body because I haven't been doing these things. So I just like did a little physical inventory in my brain while you were saying that. And I was like, I've been eating way too much takeout and not going to the gym lately. So it's no wonder why I feel the way I feel right Right, now. right. And there doesn't have to be like judgment on it. It can just be like, okay, no, this is it's what's just... happening. So yeah, you know what? It does make sense, but I'm not feeling my best. Yeah. So let's just yeah. <laughs> redirect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not my body's fault that I feel this way. Right. It's not my body's fault that I woke up hungover one day. Right. It's, you know, it's not my body's fault that I feel bloated after eating, you know, fries and a burger the night before yeah. or whatever. Like it's, it's the, that accountability and same goes for our money stories yeah. right? as well. Like it's, you know, oh, I, I randomly came into $10,000 of debt. No, it's not your credit card's right. fault. That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so if, if women who are listening to this really resonate, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot out there, what's the best way for them to connect with you, learn more about what you do? I, I believe you have a podcast as yeah. well. How can they find you? The best you? way to learn more about what I do is to go to my website, thebodyimagesolution.com. You can get connected with the podcast there. You can sign up for the course, The Body Image Solution, and you can contact me about private coaching there as well. But that's really like the main place of like, everything that I do. And also Instagram is, is kind of where I, where I hang out. So if you want to send me a DM, I check those often as well. Yeah. And you've got a book coming I out do. Soon. Tell us a little bit about I the do. book. I do. So the book is called Social Currency. The subtitle is Paying Attention to What Everyone is Paying Attention to. And it's basically what we just spent the last hour talking about, where it's like there's always something that people are trying to chase that they think is going to be the thing that's going to validate their existence and going to make them feel good. And it's usually something that within your culture and social circle growing up, it was that thing was praised. So what this book does is it shows you there are so many different social currencies that different social circles praise that it's not really about gaining the social currency. It's about doing things like we talked about building these habits that create a life that is not stressful, that is reflective of who you are as a person and not just trying to be somebody that will impress someone else and not valuing things just because other people are paying attention to them. But like, what do you actually value and what do you want your life to to really feel like? So that's the book. (laughs) I love that. Oh, I'm so excited. So yeah, we'll definitely have to check that out. That's coming in September, I believe. Yes. 
there was a little hiccup with the publisher. <laughs> um, but so September, if for Always sure the before case. the end of the year, I'm like, oh, good lord, this is like this is like birthing yeah. a child. I haven't done it, but I have wrote a book, <laughs> so it's, it's a very similar process. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. So it'll be out. It'll be out soon. I can't wait to, for everyone to see the it. social currency. Yeah, we will definitely keep our eyes peeled for that as well. So. This has been such an amazing chat. Thank you so much today, Rebecca. If you want to check out Rebecca's Instagram, you can check it out at uh, Rebecca Biggie, but it's it's spelled B-U-E-G-E. So and Rebecca with a K. So yes, thank you so much. We'll link everything down in the uh, show notes. So excited to see your book as well. That sounds right up my alley. And especially because I know you've got an economics, philosophy, and political science yes. background. So that's speaking yeah. to me. But um, yeah, this was an amazing chat. I loved every moment of it. There's such a correlation between the things that you coach your clients on, the things that I coach my clients on, even though you know the subject totally matter different. is different. Yeah. The correlation is the same. Uh, so thank you so much for being of here course. today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.